Bismillah, alhamdulillah. You're listening to Islam Always. For more programs like this, you can visit us on the internet at www.islamalways.com. This is your host, Yusuf Estes, with a special presentation on Muhammad A to Z. This is the third chapter in our series about the Prophet, peace be upon him, and this is the portion where we'll actually take step by step, letter by letter, Muhammad, the Prophet of Islam, from A to Z. We want to know about this man who is being discussed by almost everybody on the planet these days. Muhammad, peace be upon him. People want to know who was he exactly? What did he teach? Why was he loved by so many and hated by so many others? Did he live up to the claims that he had made? Was he a holy man? Was he a prophet of God? What is the truth about this man? How can we discover the truth and be totally honest in our judgment? We will begin with the very simple historical evidences, facts as narrated by thousands of people, many of whom knew him personally. The following is based on books, manuscripts, texts, and actual eyewitness accounts, far too numerous to list herein yet all have been preserved in original form throughout the centuries by both Muslims and non-Muslims alike. Although we have covered some of this material earlier in this series, by repetition we will ensure that we have covered each and every one of our points from A to Z. We will also demonstrate comparisons to the Old Testament, the New Testament, and the Final Testament, the Quran, and see what these books say and what Muhammad said. Before we begin, we'll start with an introduction. He was born Muhammad ibn Abdullah, son of Abdul Muttalib, who was born in the year 570 in the Christian era in Mecca in Felix, Arabia, which is today called Saudi Arabia. He died in the year 633 in the Christian era in Yathrib, which today is known as Medina in Saudi Arabia. And now we will begin our presentation, Muhammad a to Z. We begin with A. His names. When he was born, his grandfather, Abdul Muttalib, gave him the name Muhammad, which means the praised one or the praising one. Later, he was nicknamed by those who knew him as Asadik, which means the truthful. All of those who knew him knew of his trustworthiness and his honest nature. He always said only the truth. He was also called Amin, which means the trustworthy, due to his integrity and always upholding any trust given to him. When the tribes were battling against each other, both sides would entrust him with their possessions during the fighting, even if it might be against one of his own tribesmen, because they knew he would always uphold any trust given to him. All of his names indicated the very nature of a man who was praised for his honesty, integrity, and trustworthiness. He was also known for advocating the reconciliation of kinship and relationships. He ordered his followers to always honor the ties of the wombs that bore them, their siblings and other close relatives. This fits right in with the prophecy mentioned 
in the Bible, in the book of John, in chapters 14 and 16, as the coming of a prophet known as the Spirit of Truth, or the Comforter, or Advocate. B. He was born as a descendant of Abraham, peace be upon him, through his son Ishmael, his firstborn, called Ismail in the Arabic language, to the noble tribe of the Quraysh, who were the leaders of Mecca in those days. Muhammad's bloodline traces directly back to Abraham, peace be upon him. This could certainly be a point in the fulfillment of Old Testament scripture, where the prophecies in Deuteronomy chapter 18, 15, 16, 17, 18, speak of a prophet that God is going to send to the people from their brethren, from the brethren of the Israelites, someone like unto Moses. C. Muhammad insisted on keeping the commandments of Almighty God, just as his great-grandfathers and prophets of old had done in the past. Peace be upon all of them. Let us hear a statement from Muhammad, peace be upon him, while the Quran was being revealed to him by the angel Gabriel, wherein it says, Come, and I will recite what your Lord has prohibited you from. Join not anything in worship with him. Be good and dutiful to your parents. Do not kill your children because of poverty. Allah provides sustenance for you and for them. Do not come near to al-fawahish, which means shameful sins, illegal sexual intercourse, and so on, whether committed openly or secretly. And do not kill anyone whom Allah has forbidden, except for due cause. This He has commanded you that you may understand. This is recorded in the chapter called Al-An'am, chapter 6, verse 151 in the Quran. D. Muhammad, peace be upon him, lived in total commitment to the belief that God, Allah in Arabic, was truly one God, and as such, he was to be worshipped alone without any other gods beside him. This is the very first commandment in the Old Testament book of Exodus, chapter 20, and in the book called Deuteronomy, chapter 5, and in the New Testament, in the book called Mark, chapter 12, verse 29. E. Muhammad, peace be upon him, ordered his followers to obey Allah Almighty, following the true commandments as were revealed to him by the angel Gabriel from Almighty Allah. This is from the surah called Anahu, the B, verse 90. And it says, Surely Allah commands absolute justice and steadfast commitment to performing your duties to Almighty Allah in total sincerity and giving help to relatives. And He forbids evil and disobedience and all that is prohibited by Allah, such as illegal sexual acts, disobedient to parents, polytheism, telling lies, giving false witness, and He forbids any evil and all kinds of oppression. He admonishes you that you may take heed. F. Muhammad, peace be upon him, never fell into the common practice of his tribesmen to worship statues, idols, or man-made gods. 
He forbid his followers to ever engage in worship outside of the one true God, Allah, the God of Adam, Abraham, Moses, and all the prophets, peace be upon them all. And in the Quran, it says in chapter 98, verse 4, And the people of the scripture, the Jews and Christians, did not differ among themselves until after there came to them clear evidence. And they were commanded only to worship Allah and worship none but Him alone, meaning no gods beside God, and to perform their prayers, give charity, and that is the correct religion. Muhammad despised false worship to any man-made gods or images or of anything in creation as a god or a deity. He hated all of the complexities and degradation to which this leads. This is in direct obedience to the second commandment in the above mentioned verses, Thou shalt not make unto me any graven images. G. Muhammad, peace be upon him, always held the name of God, Allah, in the highest of reverence and never took God's name in vain, or for that matter, any vainglorious purpose. Muhammad forbid his followers forever doing anything like this and encouraged them to use such names as servant of Allah or servant of Almighty God. H. Muhammad, peace be upon him, upheld the proper worship and ceremonies of his grandfathers, Abraham and Ishmael, peace be upon them. Here is something from the second chapter of the Quran. Read closely. It says in chapter 2, verse 124, Recall when Abraham's Lord, Allah, tested him with commands that he fulfilled. Allah said, Surely I am going to make you a leader, a prophet of mankind. Abraham said, And my offspring too. Allah said, My covenant does not include wrongdoers. And remember when Allah made the house the Kaaba in Bekka, which was later called Mecca, a place of resort for mankind and a place of safety. And it is your place of prayer. And Allah commanded Abraham and Ishmael to purify God's house at Mecca for those who are circling it or staying there or bowing or prostrating themselves to him in worship. And when Abraham said, My Lord, make this city, Bekka or Mecca, a place of security and provide its people with fruits for them that believe in Almighty Allah and the last day. Allah answered, As for him who doesn't believe, I shall leave him in contentment for a while, then I shall compel him with the torment of the fire. And worse indeed is that destination. Next verse. And when Abraham and Ishmael were raising the foundations of the sacred house, that's the Kaaba in Mecca or Becca, saying, Our Lord, except from us, certainly you are the all-hearer and the all-knower. Our Lord, and make us submissive unto you, and of our offspring and nation submissive unto you, and show us our ceremonies for pilgrimage and hajj, and accept our repentance. Truly you are the one who accept repentance the most merciful. Our Lord, send amongst them a messenger of their own, who shall recite unto them your verses, 
and instruct them in the book, meaning the Quran, and full knowledge of Allah's laws and jurisprudence, and sanctify them. Verily you are the Almighty, the All-Wise, and who turns away from the religion of Abraham, meaning monotheism, except for the one who fools himself, truly Allah chose him in this world, and verily in the hereafter he will be among the righteous. When his Lord said to him, Submit, and remember, Islam means submission, and remember, Muslim means the one who does submission. He said, I have submitted myself to the Lord of all that exists. And this submission to Allah was ordered by Abraham upon his sons and by Jacob, saying, O my sons, Allah has chosen for you the true religion. Therefore do not die except in the state of faith, of submission to the will of God. I, Muhammad peace be upon him, performed these same ceremonies in worship to what we find the prophets doing before him, bowing toward the ground, prostrating, it's mentioned in the Bible, falling on their face, while praying and worshiping. He would face Jerusalem for his devotionals and he commanded his followers to do the same. This was until Allah sent the angel Gabriel with revelation to change the direction or Qibla as mentioned in the Quran. J. Muhammad peace be upon him advocated the rights for all members of the family especially ties to the parents both mother and father and also rights for women infant girls, orphan girls and certainly for wives as well. It is known from the Quran that Muhammad peace be upon him ordered his followers to be kind and respectful to their parents. They were told not to even say uff to them while caring for them in their old age. And we read again in the Quran, And your Lord has decreed that you worship none but him, and that you be dutiful to your parents. If one of them or both of them attain old age in your life, do not even say a single word of disrespect to them, nor shout at them, but address them in the terms of honor. K. Muhammad, peace be upon him, was the defender of the orphans and even the newborn children. He ordered the care of orphans and feeding of the poor as the means to enter paradise. And if any held back the rights of those who were destitute, they could forget about ever seeing paradise. He also forbid the killing of newborn girls, as was the custom of ignorance according to primitive Arab traditions. This is referred to in the Quran, when on the day of judgment, those who practiced the evil deed of terminating the life of their own infant daughters would have it exposed and the Quran says, And when the female infant buried alive is going to be asked about what sin she could have committed. That's in chapter 81, verse 8. And regarding the spending of wealth for the sake of Allah, look what Allah says in chapter 2, verse 274. Those who spend their wealth by night and day, in secret and in public, for the sake of Allah, they shall have their reward with their Lord. On them shall be no fear nor shall they grieve. L. Muhammad, peace be upon him, ordered men not to inherit women against their will, not to marry them, except by mutual consent, and never touch their wealth 
or their inheritance in order to improve their own financial conditions. We find in chapter 4, verse 19 of the Quran, O you who believe, you are forbidden to inherit women against their will, and you should not treat them with harshness, that you might take away part of their mahr or dowry that you've given them, unless they commit open illegal sexual intercourse, and live with them in honor. If you dislike them, it may be you dislike a thing, and Allah brings through it a great deal of good. We also notice from this verse, Allah forbid the common practice of wife beating and abuse. Muhammad's own wife said he never hit her even one time. He never once engaged in sex outside of marriage, nor did he approve of it, even though it was very common at his time. His only relationships with women were in legitimate contractual marriages with proper witnesses according to law. And his relationship to Aisha was only that of marriage. He did not marry her the first time her father offered her hand in marriage. He married her only after she had reached the age of puberty and could decide for herself. Muhammad's relationship to Aisha is described in every detail by Aisha herself in the most loving and respectful manner as a match truly made in heaven. Aisha is considered as one of the highest scholars of Islam and she lived out her entire life only having been married to Muhammad, peace be upon him. She never desired any other man nor did she ever utter a single negative statement against Muhammad, peace be upon him. M. Muhammad, peace be upon him, ordered all men to provide and protect the women, whether it was their own mother, sister, wife or daughter, or even those of others, whether they were Muslim women or not. The Quran orders the followers of Muhammad, Men are the protectors and maintainers of women, because Allah has made one to excel the other, and because they spend to support the women from their means. Therefore the righteous women are devoutly obedient to Allah and to their husbands, and they guard in their husbands' absence what Allah has ordered them to guard. As to those women on whose part you see ill conduct, admonish them, refuse to share their beds, startle them, set forth an example or a parable for them to point out what is going on and before divorcing them. So if they return to proper obedience, meaning to obey Allah and their husbands, do not annoy them any further. Certainly Allah is ever most high, most great. This is in chapter 4, the chapter called the women, verse 34. N. Muhammad peace be upon him forbid the killing of any innocent person. In the Quran in chapter 5 we find the clear statement, whoever takes the life of an innocent, it is though they have killed all of mankind. But whoever saves the life of an innocent is as though they have saved all of mankind. Also we find in the Quran the teaching of not killing yourself. This is forbidden as well. He also forbid killing of children for fear of poverty, killing any innocent people. In the Quran we find, Say, O Muhammad, Come, I will recite what your Lord has prohibited you from. Join not anything in worship with him. Be good and dutiful to your parents. Do not kill your children because of poverty. Allah provides sustenance for you and for them. Do not even come near 
to evil and shameful deeds, whether committed openly or secretly, and do not kill anyone whom Allah has forbidden, except for a just cause. This he has commanded you, that you may understand. Chapter 6, verse 151 The letter O. Muhammad, peace be upon him, never committed adultery. He required his followers to engage only in lawful marriage relationships with women and forbade sex outside of God's ordinances. We find again in the Quran, chapter 2, verse 268, Satan, meaning the devil, threatens you with poverty and orders you to commit evil, illegal sexual intercourse, sins, and bad deeds. Whereas Allah promises you forgiveness from himself and bounty. And Allah is all sufficient for his creature's needs, all knower. We also find in the Quran, chapter 7, verse 33, Say, O Muhammad, But the things that my Lord has indeed forbidden are great evil sins, whether committed openly or secretly, all kinds, unrighteous oppression, joining partners in worship with Allah, for which he has given you no authority, and saying things about Allah, of which you have no knowledge. And then in chapter 17, verse 32, we find, Allah says, And come not near to unlawful sexual intercourse, for sure it is a transgression beyond limits, and an evil way that leads to hell. And again in chapter 24, verse 19, Verily those who like the crime of illegal sexual intercourse should be propagated amongst believers. They will have a painful torment in this world and in the hereafter. And Allah knows, and you do not know. And then in chapter 60, verse 12, O Prophet, Allah now is speaking to Muhammad, peace be upon him. O Prophet, when believing women come to you to give you the pledge that they will not associate anything in worship with Allah, and that they will not steal, that they will not commit illegal sexual intercourse, that they will not kill their children, that they will not utter slander, intentionally forging falsehood, and that they will not disobey you in anything that Islam teaches. Then accept their pledge and ask Allah to forgive them. Verily Allah is all forgiving, most merciful. People committed fornication and adultery in most places around the world during Muhammad's time. Yet he never once did so, and he always forbade all of his followers from this evil practice. P. Muhammad, peace be upon him, forbid usury and interest on money lending, just as Jesus, peace be upon him, had done so centuries before, when he drove the money changers out of the temple. It can easily be shown how usury eats away at wealth and destroys the economic systems throughout history. Yet, just as in the teachings of the prophets of old, Muhammad, peace be upon him, held that such practices were most evil and must be avoided in order to be at peace with the Creator. In chapter 2, Surah Baqarah, verse 275 and forward, we read, Those who eat usury, deal in interest, will not stand on the day of the resurrection, except like the one standing who has been beaten by the devil, leading him to insanity. This is because they say trading is only like usury, whereas Allah has permitted trading, but He forbids usury.
So whoever receives admonition from his Lord and stops eating usury shall not be punished for the past. His case is for Allah to judge, but whoever returns to dealing in usury, such are the dwellers of the fire, and there they shall abide forever. Allah will destroy usury and will give increase for charity, alms, etc. And Allah likes not the disbelievers and the sinners. So we see from this teaching that the giving of charity and alms is much better in the sight of Allah than for a person to deal in this interest in usury. Q. Muhammad, peace be upon him, never gambled, nor did he allow it. Like usury, gambling takes away wealth, but at an even faster pace. In the Quran, in chapter 2, verse 219, People ask you, Muhammad, about alcohol and gambling. Say, there is great sin in both of them, and some benefit for humans, but the sin is far greater than any benefit from them. And they ask you, what should they spend? Meaning in charity. Say, whatever is above your basic needs. So Allah makes it clear to you, His laws in order for you to give thought. Gambling had not been viewed as so evil until the time of Muhammad, peace be upon him. Today it is well established the damage gambling causes to families and even mental health. The idea of getting something for nothing is not the proper way of life prescribed by the teachings of Muhammad, peace be upon him. R. Muhammad, peace be upon him, never drank alcohol nor strong drink, even though it was a very normal thing for people to do at his time and place. Allah says in the Quran, chapter 5, verse 90, O you who believe, intoxicating drinks, gambling, fortune-telling, and so on, is the hated work of the devil. So stay away from all that horrible stuff that you will be successful. The devil only wants to create hatred between you with intoxicants and gambling and to keep you from the remembrance of Allah. So why won't you stay away from them? The Arabs, like most other cultures at his time, drank alcohol without concern for their health or for their altered behavior while intoxicated. Many of them were alcoholics. In today's world, there is little need to present long discussions on the evil and dangers of drinking alcohol. Besides causing diseases and ruining a person's health, alcohol is often attributed to be the cause of many traffic accidents, resulting in property damage, injuries, and deaths. The first order was for the followers of Muhammad, peace be upon him, to leave off drinking while they engaged in worship. Then came stronger orders to leave drinking altogether. So offering a time for the early Muslims to break off from their addiction to this strong drink. S. Muhammad, peace be upon him, did not engage in gossip or backbiting, and he always turned away from hearing anything related to it. In the Quran, in chapter 49, verse 6, we find, O you who believe, if a rebellious, evil person comes to you with news, verify it, lest you harm others in your ignorance, and afterwards you become regretful for what you've done. O you who believe, do not allow one group of people to scoff at another. It may be that the latter is better than the former. Nor let some women scoff at other women. It may be that the latter are better than the former. 
don't defame each other, nor insult each other by nicknames. How evil it is to insult one another's brother after coming into the faith. And whosoever does not repent, then sure, they are indeed the wrongdoers. And again, O you who believe, avoid such suspicions. Indeed, much suspicions are sins. Spy not, neither backbite on one another. Would one of you like to eat the flesh of his dead brother? You would hate it, so hate backbiting. And fear Allah. Verily, Allah is the one who accepts your repentance. Most merciful. Certainly these teachings would be well appreciated in today's world, where we find almost everyone engaging in the worst of gossip and insulting of each other, even in the closest of relatives and loved ones. T. Muhammad, peace be upon him, was most generous and encouraged others to be the same way in their dealings with others. He even asked them to forgive the debts of each other with hope of receiving a better reward with Allah. And if the debtor is in a hard time, the Quran says, then grant him time until it is easy for him to repay. But if you remit by way of charity, that is even better for you, if you only knew. That's in chapter 2, verse 280. The next verse says, And be afraid of the day when you shall be brought back to Allah, the day of judgment. Then every person shall be paid for what he earned, and they shall not be dealt with unjustly. S. Muhammad, peace be upon him, commanded the payment of charity to the poor, and he was the defender and protector of the widows, orphans, and the wayfarers. In chapter 93 of the Quran, verses 9 and 10, Therefore do not oppress the orphan, nor repulse the beggar. In chapter 2, verse 273, we find, Charity is for the poor who in Allah's cause are restricted from travel and cannot move about in the land for trade or work. The one who knows them not thinks they are rich because of their modesty. You may know them by their mark. They do not beg of people at all. And whatever you spend in good, surely Allah knows it well. You Muhammad, peace be upon him, taught people how to deal with the most extreme difficulties and tests that occur to all of us throughout our lives. He held that only through patience and humble attitude could we find true resolution and understanding of life's complications and disappointments. He was the most patient of all and was exemplary in his own humbleness. All who knew him had to admit to these virtues. We find in chapter 2, 153 in the Quran, O you who believe, seek help in patience and prayer. Truly Allah is with the patient ones. And he explained his life was a test from Allah, for all of us. And certainly Allah shall test you with something of fear, hunger, loss of wealth, lives and fruits. But give glad tidings to the patient ones. That's in 2, verse 155. It continues, Who, when they're afflicted with calamity, say, Truly to Allah we belong, and truly to Allah shall we return. V. Muhammad, peace be upon him, fasted for days at a time to be closer to Almighty Allah, and away from the narrowness of worldly attractions. Verse 183 in chapter 2, O you who believe, Observe the fasting. It's prescribed for you as it was prescribed for those before you that you will become pious. 
W. Muhammad peace be upon him called for an end to racism and tribalism from the beginning to the end of his mission. He was truly the peacemaker of all times and for all people. We find in the Quran in chapter 49 verse 13 O mankind, Allah has created you from a male and a female and made you into nations and tribes that you will know each other. Verily the most honorable of you with Allah is the believer who is most pious who does this. Allah is the all-knowing, all-aware. And then in chapter 4, verse 1, we find another beautiful verse. O mankind, have piety and be dutiful to your Lord, who created you all from a single person, Adam, and from him, Adam, he brought forth his wife, which is Eve, and from these two he created many men and women, and fear Allah through whom you demand your mutual rights, and do not cut the ties of your kinship. Surely Allah is ever all-watcher over you. X. Regarding keeping up good relationships and bringing people back together after a falling out, the Quran says, And if two parties or a group among the believers fall into fighting, then make peace between them both. But if one of them rebels against the other, then all of you fight together against the one that is rebelling until they comply with the commandment of Allah. Then when they comply, make reconciliation between them justly and be equitable. Verily, Allah loves those who are equitable. That's in chapter 49, verse 9. Read the next verse. The believers are nothing else than brothers to each other. So make reconciliation between your brothers and fear Allah that you will receive mercy. Why? Muhammad, peace be upon him, taught that Jesus, peace be upon him, was the Immaculate Conception, the miracle birth of Mary, and that she was the best creation of Almighty God. He insisted, even to the Jews of Medina, that Jesus, peace be upon him, was the Messiah, the Christ, the one that they had been looking for, predicted in their Old Testament, the Torah. He also taught that Jesus, peace be upon him, did many miracles by the permission of Almighty God, curing the lepers, restoring sight to the blind, and even bringing a dead man back to life. And that he was not dead, rather Almighty God had raised him up, he had ascended. He also predicted Jesus, peace be upon him, is going to return to the earth in the last days to lead the true believers in a victory over the evil and the unrighteous people and he will destroy the Antichrist. Z. Muhammad, peace be upon him, forbid any killing even when his followers were being killed until orders for retaliation came from Allah. Even then the limits were clearly spelled out and only those who were engaged in active combat against Muslims or Islam were to be fought against in combat and even then only according to very strict rules set forth from Allah. What you've heard now is A to Z for Muhammad comparing what has been taught through the ages by all the prophets in the other books, the Old Testament, the New Testament and the Final Testament, the Quran that came with Muhammad all from the same God. Now it's time for you to think, who is this man Muhammad? And to learn more, visit our internet website, islamalways.com. Always open 24 hours a day and always plenty 
of free parking. Until next time, peace. Salam alaikum.